you know, um, I wonder if anybody realizes that we're also Spanx Reebok and the dude. <laughs> oh man. That'll be that'll be the big reveal <laughs> at the end of this episode. to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life in set-apart ministry. Each week, we sit down to talk about our experiences and challenges as pastors doing small-town ministry during uncertain times. Join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. Hey, so listeners, you are hearing us from the past in this episode because we've both had some news and some updates about our lives as pastors that we can't announce publicly until we can announce it publicly. But uh, we thought it would be a good idea to kind of capture what it's like right when you um, figure out what's what's happening next in your life, but also in the middle of coronavirus. So Ethan, why don't you share your news first? Okay. So we are we are currently recording this, as Joe said in the past, just to give you the context, because who knows what the world will be like when we're able to announce That's publicly true. what is going on. Um, we are in, I believe, month 43 of lockdown. <laughs> That's um, not true. <laughs> give or take. Uh, no, we are, uh, we're in the middle of April. It's tax day, former tax is, day. It is tax day, regular. Yep. Um, some some of us have received stimulus checks, although we I am not one of those people. I am not one of those uh, people. <laughs> so currently, we are poorer than most Americans. <laughs> um, uh, coronavirus is still going on. Uh, we're we're it, it, it's quite a lot, and I received news two days ago now. Monday, April 13th, uh, that I had been accepted into the PhD program for religious studies at the University of Virginia. Woo! Woo! Uh, okay. So, um, the quick and dirty version of how this happened was Monday morning, I'm playing in the basement with Adrea. Uh, we were playing Adrea's favorite game and my least favorite game, the running game. And the, running, <laughs> and the running game is when Adrea goes, I'm going to chase you. And then she chases me around the basement. And then she goes, okay, you chase me. And then I chase her around the basement. And then she goes, I'm going to chase you. And then and we just do that until I die, which mm -hmm. is not very – which, you know, I'm in absolutely god-awful shape right now. Like, like, as, and I realized that when I play the running game with Drea, I'm like, gosh, I, I'm going to die. But anyway, <laughs> we're playing the running game and my phone goes off because an email went through and I bring up the, and I look at my email and it's from, uh, uh, Dr. Nicole Flores at the university of Virginia, which made me go, what, why is she sending me an email? Uh, what's going on? And in the email, she said, Hey, Ethan. 
hope you and your family are doing great, as great as you can be in the midst of the second plague. Um, uh, I just wanted to say congratulations on being admitted to the University of Virginia and that you and I should have a conversation about your research and about what you would like to do. When are you able to do a Zoom meeting? All the best, Dr. Flores. And my response was, what? <laughs> <laughs> are you, who, huh? Who, what? When is somebody, what? And so I sent an email back after screaming for a little while. And I was like, oh my God, Dr. Flores, I didn't know I got admitted. <laughs> What is going on? Please advise. And, uh, and she <laughs> was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I, I thought that the letter had already gotten to you. I, I, I'm sorry I spilled the beans. But, uh, but, yeah, you've been admitted with full funding to the University of Virginia's Ph.D. program. Um, yeah. Should definitely, <laughs> you, we should talk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 like, and I just and I just started running up the stairs. I was like, Beth, 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 and woke Beth up. She's like, What? What is it? She's like, I've been accepted to the University of Virginia. And she's like, Great. <laughs> Beth for the win, always. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. And uh, oh my gosh, Joe, I uh, initial feelings are, and I at this point I'm still feeling like a lot of shock, like. Um, I had applied, uh, I think, I think the application went in, uh, December 15th mm -hmm. of 2019. I had received word on February 7th that I had been waitlisted and I hadn't heard anything at all since then. And, and so like I had assumed that, uh, I, I had also applied to the Uni Boston university and, and had gotten a rejection from them. Uh, at the uh, at the end of February, I received that rejection, and so I'm on this wait list for UVA, and and I just sort of assumed, you know, by by the time I got to maybe maybe the middle of March, and nothing had changed, I had assumed that uh, eh, it just wasn't going to happen this year, and I had like I kind of had my my like oh no, you know, I kind of had my sad moment and. And then, like, Beth was like, well, we'll just apply to different places next year. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. We are just going to we'll, – we'll apply to different places next year. I'll reapply to UVA next year because I love the program. I started looking at other programs, you know, and, and, I, and I can't – and I de my point is I dealt with it emotionally. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so when I got this email, I was shocked. Like, I wasn't waiting for it. I wasn't thinking about it. Um, it was – it was oh, my gosh. And, and since then, it's just been uh, the last two days have been a, a roller coaster. I got off, I, I had a, a Zoom call. So, so I, I got, you know, I got that. I called um, family. I made my dad cry, you know, on the phone because I told him I got in and he, he just began to weep openly. Yes. Um, I called my parents-in-law and my 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 father-in-law, Chris, who, who visited UVA with me, was like, fuck yeah! <laughs> you know, he was like, we're going to go to Charlottesville. We're going to eat cool and we're going to eat good food. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to eat good food. <laughs> uh, we're not, the area I'm in is not known for their food um, at all. 
And uh, I called my district superintendent, which I imagine we'll get to in just a second, because that that carried with it a couple of problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to friends. I told you, I, I you know, I, I couldn't believe it. I got off the, I had a Zoom meeting with Dr. Flores and, and, and she, you know, she's one of the things she said to me, and I really got along well with Dr. Flores when I met her, when I visited, she, she's great. We, there's a, she and I know, have a mutual friend. And so there is a connection there, which is really cool. Hmm. And, and uh, she went to Yale with, with this friend of mine when she was at Yale. And, um, and, and she, she was just like, Ethan, we're, it was unanimous. That's we awesome. all, we all wanted you. We're so excited about your research. We're so excited about you as a, as a student and as a colleague. And, and we're, and, and she's like, yeah, like, like when, when I, the, from the moment you walked into my, this is what she said, from the moment you walked into my office, you know, those months ago to visit. And, and like we started talking five minutes in, I thought to myself, boy, it would be great to have him here. That's awesome. Holy oh, that's crap. So Holy crap. You know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And uh, I got off the Zoom call and, and, and it just, it just like, you know, it just like dominoes, you know, one after the other. Got an email with my official uh, acceptance with the financial package and, and everything, um, full funding, $24,000 stipend, health insurance. Um, you know, a, a, a big letter of welcome. Do you accept or do you not accept? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I, I accept. And um, Dr. Flores in the meeting was like, I really am reaching out to you to make sure that you accept and that, and that another program hadn't scooped you up already. And I was like, <laughs> jokes on you, <laughs> you fool, you fool. You accepted me like a fool. <laughs> no program would have accepted me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you idiots, you colossal morons. I've beaten you. But, that's uh, our imposter syndrome. But that is our imposter syndrome. <laughs> Apparently, we're all stupid, but none as stupid as me. <laughs> well, welcome to another episode. <laughs> anyway, um, and I, you know, I, I accepted it. And then like two minutes after accepting it, I started getting emails from, you know, the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences and, and, and orientation notices and 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 I got another email from another professor who wanted to have a Zoom meeting, and I was I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's it's happening. It's real. Yeah. And so my last day, let me let me try to get to the different stuff here. So my last day at the church is is officially June thirtieth. All right. Um. Because that's when all everyone's appointment ends. Whether that means that I'll be at the church then or not is, is you know, up in the air. But I have to be out of the parsonage no no later than June thirtieth. Um, and uh, and my family 
and I are moving to Charlottesville, Virginia in three months. That's so exciting. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my, the first person I called was my district superintendent. And I get along really well with my district superintendent. And I had not been lying to her. I had kept her in the loop mm-hmm. about my plans and different things. And around the middle of March, she sent me a text and asked what things were looking like. And I told her. I said, well, I've been rejected by Boston. I'm on the wait list for the University of Virginia. Um, I haven't heard anything one way or the other, but I'm just not sure. I don't think it's going to happen. I just gave her my impression. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I told her that I'd be willing to serve where I'm at uh, at least another year and uh, that she shouldn't have to worry about it. She's like, okay. And so when I got this letter, when I got, when I found out, I was like, oh no, well, okay. So I called my district superintendent and I told her she was not happy. I believe it. Um, she did her best. She really did. She did her best to be kind. Uh, she said only one unkind thing. Uh, I could tell she was unhappy about the whole conversation, but she was not mean. And she only said one mean thing, uh, which was, well, I guess that's good for you, but it's not good for the church. Mm. Sucks for the church then. Well, well, this is okay. So I, that hurt. And then that other part of my brain's like, fuck you. (laughs) Peace, you know, like, see ya. Like I'm, I, uh, they only admitted seven people this year, Joe. Wow. Out of 170 applicants. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, so like screw 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 my district superintendent right now. You know what I mean? Like uh no, I'm doing this, you know. I'm doing yeah. this. At least for now. And so, um let me let me wrap this up. So listeners, whenever you list hear this, I don't know when that will be. Right now as of this recording, and this is what I told my district superintendent as well. Um, My intention is to uh, complete this degree. Uh, It'll take anywhere between five and seven years. Um, And uh, what will probably happen after that is I'll probably go back into pastoral ministry uh, in some capacity. The reason for that is I like it. I like my job. I I like this work. But also, um, it's uh, more consistent work than full-time teaching. Full-time teaching, the job market is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And, and to go into it with that expectation is a little irresponsible. Yeah. And so I have, uh, luckily, I have some options. I'm doing this because in our last episode that, that just debuted this week, the week we were recording, I'm pursuing this because part of my dream is to teach in subcapacity and to write and to 
have a, a more I can offer the church and the world from a theology perspective. And this is, um, you know, this is what I want. Yeah. And, and it's shocking. It's shocking. So today, actually today, after we are done here, I will be making, I will be breaking the news to the SPRC and a couple of the leaders of this church. Um, I will also be breaking the news to some of my best friends in the area. Today, they will be um, sad, but I think they will be really happy for us. And after some of that news is broken, um, I imagine that next Sunday, probably not this Sunday, but next Sunday might be the time I break it to the church. I'm surprised you're going to do it that fast. Well, I might not. Um, my district superintendent needs to start the process of communicating with the SBRC here mm -hmm. and um, looking for a new pastor. And I think that that's why I, I think I'm going to probably break it early or earlier so that folks can be ready and even in the midst of quarantine and, and so folks don't feel like, I don't want to wait too long because I don't want folks to be like, okay, well he's leaving in a month now. Like what's going on, you know, yeah. see ya, you know what I mean? I want to be, I want folks to be able to process that and have the, some mental and emotional energy to process meeting a new pastor, probably on a video, you know? Right. Yeah, that's going to be the rough thing about appointments this year is that people are going to have a new pastor in a time where they really need stability. Yeah. Um, and so uh, my, my last kind of thinking about this, at least right now, in this conversation is I really want to be really sensitive to that. I want to be sensitive to all the feelings that people are going to feel because it's not going to be fun. And um, I think it sucks that it is happening in the midst of a pandemic and a quarantine. Because what folks really need would be these three months to talk and see each other and see me and, and all of that. And that's not going to happen. Um, but I'm so excited. Yeah, as you I'm should. So, I'm so, oh, I appreciate it. But like, I'm, I'm just so, you know. This is such a huge deal mm -hmm. for, for my whole family, for my whole family, you know, and Beth is, you know, we're, we're going to miss our friends. We really will. And I'll miss, I'll miss my church. I will. This, this is a great starting church. I complained all the time, but that's only because we were, uh, that's only because of, you know, our, this is what our podcast is. Right. Our podcast, our podcast subtitle is Two White Complainers." Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but but I I love my church so much. I really do, and and they they've been so good to me and my family in so many ways. And um, I actually think this is the only way I could do this. 
I can't imagine having another church. Mm. Have you ever thought about is that a, is that a feeling you've ever had, Joe? Like, no, I can't, <laughs> no. <laughs> I I I we we can get into that when I when I get to my part. But yeah, no, I've thought about having another church. <laughs> I can imagine it quite clearly. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I just mean in terms of wow, I've I've spent so much time in building relationships and having a sense of who these people are and what they might need. And and so sometimes I'd think about, well, what happens when I moved and I have to do that again in another, with another group? Like I wouldn't know. I I, I would be like, Oh man, what do I do? Yeah. And, and so now I'm kind of like, Oh, I guess, I guess I don't have to think about that right now. And but I'm just a very different place the next time you take an appointment in church. That's true. That's true. Uh, at the University of Virginia, you, you're not allowed to call uh, the you know the 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 campus of the university campus. That's not allowed. You're supposed to. Thomas Jefferson didn't allow it. Thomas Jefferson is you know is the guy who who founded UVA. Um, but, but he, he calls it, he always called it grounds, university grounds. And so everybody unironically, it's the weirdest thing, Joe, cause it's me and I'm, I'm just, it's who I am. I'm ironic all the time, but like unironically, everybody calls it grounds, faculty, staff, students. Well, you know, we're at grounds today or welcome to grounds or whatever. Huh. And I and I have to laugh at it because it's just it's it's silly, and I said that to I talked to my sister about this the other day and she and I told her this and she was like hmm sounds bougie <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like I'm like you you would be right <laughs> Thomas, it's Thomas Jefferson Thomas Jefferson's not known for his solidarity with the poor <laughs> yeah. oh goodness well that's all that's all really exciting like. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm pumped for you. And listeners, we don't know what the podcast will look like after this, so we haven't had that conversation off air, so we're not going to have an on air. But yeah, it would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when we know, you'll know, I guess. That's right. Uh, so while while Ethan was doing all this PhD application stuff and like getting rejections and stuff, I was uh, very seriously considering leaving my church and leaving pastoral ministry for at least a year. Uh, and we all heard that in the protocol episodes. Uh, and it, I, I hope it played off like a joke, but <laughs> it wasn't. Um, it it really it hit me at exactly the wrong time because it's that like post Christmas crash combined with like a new uncertainty in the church combined with just like the crushing reality of having to talk about LGBTQ issues with a congregation that's never talked about it before um, in the middle of like just awful depression and really struggling with suicidal ideation. And like on top of that, having my partner having uncertain things with his job too. And it was a lot. It was just, it was at the time it was too much to take. And I felt like the only way for me to get into better mental health and to actually survive was to leave my church. 
And so I, I mean, I talked to people, I cried for a whole weekend. I, I did a lot of work around trying to figure out whether I should stay or whether I should go. And that neither seemed like perfectly great options, but it did not seem that staying was a feasible person, a person, a feasible option. Um, and so like, I've been sitting on that for the past couple of months about things, uh, and talking to people as if I was going to continue ministry here when like, I was really planning on dipping out. Uh, and then COVID-19 happened and I didn't, my backup plans, uh, were to like move in with my partner and, uh, get like a waitressing job or like a temp job or something like just get something to pay the bills while I like did that the mental and emotional work that I needed to do. And then maybe come back to this appointment after a year or, but like you can't guarantee that in the Methodist system. So uh, we can move forward with that. And that had been the plan and then COVID hit and, uh, and those jobs aren't going to be there. <laughs> like We're in the middle of a depression. So uh, we're not even in the middle of it yet. We are in the beginning stages of a worldwide economic depression yet again. And, uh, it just seemed like the, the best course of option was to stay in a place that had a stable financial income with benefits, regardless of how long that's going to be the case in the United Methodist church. But that was the kind of the promise. And so I had a conversation with Ian about it and we figured we could make long distance work for another year because things are changing with his job, but in a way that feels manageable now. And my mental health is a lot better and I've made some breakthroughs in therapy and I've done a lot of good work. And so I was pretty confident that I could stick it out for another year because um, I know the situation and general conference, as we know, has been pushed back to who knows when, but it wasn't going to have to be a, um, as intense and immediate of a thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I let my SPRC chair know that I would be open to staying if they wanted to keep me because that's the way things go. And the SPRC met and they are very concerned about being able to pay me for another year, but we're going to try to make that work. And, um, their other concern was for my mental health. Cause I expressed to them how bad it was and they wanted to know what changed. And I went on the big long process of like, well, you know, the weather's better. So that helps. And here are the intimate details of my changes in medication. And, uh, here is the, the change in the amount of suicidal ide ideation that I've been struggling with. And here are my changes in depression levels because of these factors. And, just try to like lay out the case as clinically as I could. Cause I, mm -hmm. I am theoretically in a better place. Uh, and then one of the things that I said, it sounds that way right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I'm perfect. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but one of the things that I said, like not as a condition of me saying, but just as kind of like a fact of the matter of, well, when we, when we come around to having conversations about human sexuality, like I am not going to tiptoe around my orientation and like the stake that I have in it. Cause that has been part of the problem. And like, I'm not just not going to pretend to be somebody I'm not. Um, and we got into a conversation of whether I should come out or not and when that should happen and like what would be the benefits. And hmm. I also got, uh, one of the members of the SPRC, uh, said that she didn't really trust me to keep confidential information confidential and that really hurt. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but I could, I could be more closed mouthed about things. I had gotten kind of comfortable and I thought that I was sharing things that were common knowledge and, uh, 
and you know, it's confidentiality is really important. And if I need to turn that up to an 11, I'm happy to do it. Uh, but it, it be that, that that part of that was part of the conversation of like, well, your, your personal life is personal and we don't need you to drag it in here. And that's fine. Except for the fact that like the conversation at the denominational level is about my personal life. You know, it just is. So, and it would help people I, it, it, it could, it could go one of two ways, right? It, everything could shut down and be terrible and people could leave because of me. Uh, or I could be really hurt because people are going to continue to be homophobic or, um, it could open up people's minds and it could open the doors of the church to people who don't feel that they belong in a church anymore right now. Like, it, and it's impossible to know which way it's going to go before we try it. Um, but we did, we had a long conversation about that. Um, and during the pandemic, because we're not getting in as much money, um, we're going to have to uh, let the choir director and the cleaning lady go for mm -hmm. uh, until this is over. So I'm now the only staff member at the church. Uh, and uh, I got railed on at, uh, because of my worship. Because <laughs> um, I had been continuing to do a full service instead of just doing a, a, like reading a scripture and doing a message. But I had done a scripture and message for... Uh, for Easter morning, because it was after Holy Week, and I, I knew that I didn't have it in me to do another full service, and we're going to celebrate Easter when we come back together, so that's, it, it, I didn't feel a need, um, and I was like, we really liked that, okay, that's great, like, I will, I'll do what you want to do, that's fine, um, mm. so it, like, they're, they're an incredibly supportive group of people, um, and they have, they've been really fantastic, but also they've, they've not had to deal with a, a pastor who wants to be openly bi, openly LGBTQ before, especially in this time. Um, and they also, they were like, well, we want to, we want to, we want you to be able to, to do what you want to do. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. That's not a question that I've asked myself in my life. So I'm going right. to <laughs> Because uh, it's always been, it's always been what I thought I was expected to do, and what I, I thought. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and then you add on the layer of how we talk about calling and how we talk about God, and and it's God has a plan for my life, and God has laid a call on my life, and and I need to do what makes God happy, whether or not it makes me happy, and and that goes into it's just a. It's difficult. It's difficult when you're raised to like follow God's plan for your life and to believe that God's plan for your life is good when God's plan is putting you in a situation that's difficult. Um, so, <laughs> so I came home after the SPRC meeting where they decided to keep me and I called my uh, district superintendent who I had asked her before if it would even be possible to put me back in this appointment. And she was like, I mean, I can't promise anything because we know that this is like, you just can't make that kind of promise. But she said she would do her best. So, uh, but she was excited about me staying. Um, she called again today. Uh, well, let me, let me talk about last night. So I got back home. I was talking to Ian about having to let the choir director go, which is, is just really rough. Uh, it, it's really rough when they, when they phrase it as, uh, we well, are letting the choir director go so we can continue to pay you. Like, I need to continue to be paid. I'm, <laughs> I'm barely making ends meet, but I really hate to put somebody else in a situation where they're also now barely making ends meet. 
and like, how do you, how do you choose? And it's not my job to choose. It's the SBRC's job to choose. But I was upset about that. And I was upset about other things that, that we talked about in the meeting. Um, anyway. And so, so I, I mentioned the part about like coming out and I'll just need to find another clergy person who's been through the situation before and get some wisdom, maybe several clergy people. Um, <laughs> But I, like, I was just not in a mood to do anything else. So uh, we, <laughs> I poured some wine and watched Tiger King. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, it's awful. I, I don't think we need to finish it. I think that was just a one night experience. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I didn't, I've never watched it. I don't have any desire to watch it. I, uh, I don't want to watch people who are essentially my, you know, people who seem to be just like the people I minister to in the town I live in. <laughs> Uh, it's um yeah i i bet somebody will write a really great think piece about it and i will read it and feel vindicated for all of my feelings and that'll be how it happens um but yeah i wish because i was in a bad mood and i wanted to just continue to stay in that bad mood so i drank more than i should have um and there is a perception among people in the generation above us that your pastor is your is somebody you look up to and somebody that you hold to a higher standard and, I, and that's not necessarily just a generation above us i mean that's what's in the in the book of discipline for ordination too is that you have to live up to the highest ideals of christian behavior um and and it it really got to me because it, it, it the way it was phrased in the meeting it made it sound like the fact that I'm bisexual is me not living up to the highest ideals. And, um, it, and it just makes me feel like, like having a drink of alcohol is also not living up to the highest ideals. And, and so I just went full grouchy millennial and drank entirely too much. Um, and, and Ian was there to make sure that I didn't break anything. It was helpful and kind, but there just, there came a point in time in the evening where I just like started sobbing and then like screaming till my throat was raw, which is what you're hearing right now. Cause it just, which is a great sign that I should stay in this appointment, <laughs> but it's just so frustrating to have been in so much of a better place and then to be reminded, oh, right. Like they still they still have a problem with who you are fundamentally and that's not going to change over the course of this year and they don't even think they have a problem with you uh and they can list off all of your great qualities and things like that uh, but it's still it's a problem that you're a pastor and that you're not straight and that is how it's always going to be um like the church can change its it changes rules or whatever but it's not going to change the culture in a generation um, no matter how hopeful we are about it. And so, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just really discouraging and it's really discouraging <laughs> after having been like, yeah, I want to stay here another year. And then remembering one of the main reasons why I wanted to leave. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it was just awful. And then my district superintendent called this morning and was like, so, uh, cause she wanted to like, as they're talking about appointments next week, uh, or I think tomorrow, I think their first meeting with it, well, their first meeting of this last set of appointment making, um, uh, she was like, well, if they decide they want to go with the, because they had already planned somebody for my place. Um, if they decide they want to stick with that original one, do you want another appointment? And I was like, nope, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going through this year again with a whole new group of people. And there's just no, 
there is a very, very, very small chance that I would get appointed anywhere that would be affirming. And I uh, have no desire to muddle through this with other strangers who are not affirming. Like I heard, yeah. I've, I've done my time in this church. Um, so, so that's where I'm at is I, but I also might not be appointed. They might just be like, well, we will make do without, because that's what they're planning on doing anyway. So. Right. And then I'll, I'll find some, something to do and I'll move in with Ian and we'll figure it out and it'll be fine. But it's just, ugh, ugh, I forgot how much it hurt. Like I had been doing so much better. We hadn't had, we hadn't been having to have these conversations and it's just like, when I came out at Wesley, there are so many people who are just very openly, like aggressively affirming of you <laughs> when you come sure, out. Sure, sure. Because uh, that's just the the nature of the school, um, and it's it, it's a very gay school. It's a very gay school. I'm like, that's nice. It's just nice. It, it, no, I don't. I don't disagree. That wasn't a. <laughs> that's yeah. a good thing. No, I know, but and and I knew that coming back here, it wouldn't be the same experience as as being there. Like I wasn't naive about this. I just didn't. I had not experienced how much it hurts when somebody wants to uh, tell you that part of your identity is unacceptable, and they would like for you to not express it. Thanks. And I know that like other more visibly gay people have have dealt with this on a much larger scale for much longer, but it like, it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt for me now. So yeah. So it's just, I am doing really well in therapy, but now I have a lot to talk about in therapy. Uh, but my DS like asked me at the end of the call, she's like, are you sure you want to stay? And I almost said no. <laughs> like I almost broke down again, but I know that I'm in my feelings and I'm hungover and you don't make decisions when you're in your feelings and hungover. So <laughs> That is true. That is true. I, so first of all, you know, to affirm you, like you're a great pastor, you're doing great work. It is incorrect and unfair and and it is not just a part of being a pastor that you have to take um, folks, uh, folks is homophobia or um, just lacking the tools to be able to understand how to be with people who identify the way you do. Like that's not something that you as their pastor are obliged or obligated to um, uh, tank you know, and, 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 you know, just kind of accept. So I want you, and you know that you of course know that, but like, that's, I want to affirm that. Um, I think that your story and, and your experiences uh, reveal something that's really um, hard and sad um, about what, uh, folks like you and I say to each other a lot, you know, or, or like, like more liberal or inclusive folks say what, what we often say is, well, it's, it's just a lot of ignorance. It's, it's people not knowing uh, queer folks well. Mm -hmm. And when, when they meet them, then it'll be fine. And uh, I think sometimes that happens. But, uh, (laughs) but you're right. But then sometimes it just sort of doesn't. Sometimes it's, um, you, you, Joe, might be really well liked, you know, and I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
as you've discovered that that doesn't actually change anything yeah necessarily necessarily you know the the work still needs to be done on others part like well we like joe we just don't like we would just rather not think about joe's sexuality why why is she making us think about it when really this is not has nothing to do with that it just has everything to do with you just being joe right you know it has everything to do with you making sure that you can fully be who you are you know at, at, in in and with people that's just what relationships are Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healthy relationships. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hmm. You know what? I I am remembering now what set me off is we watched uh, as a just something to clear the palate after Tiger King. We watched an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and it was the one where. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? My wife does. I I've caught different episodes. There's an episode where Rosa comes out as bi, and uh, she comes out to like the squad. It was like, I am bisexual. You have one minute to ask questions. They all ask good questions and it's done and it's great. Uh, and then she is going to come out to her parents and uh, her parents don't take it well. And then they invite her like back to family game night and then are just like, right, but this is just a phase. And, uh, and her dad comes to apologize afterwards, but says that like, we can't, uh, we probably should put family game night on hold for a while while, while like her mother deals with it or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like the whole like Brooklyn nine, nine squad comes and like makes a new family game night for Rosa. And it was just like, it's, it, it's one of those things that like should is, is as emotional as it is, I guess, but like hit me really hard that yeah. like, cause there's not going to be, um, whew. There's, it's not as easy to make a replacement church, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's not one like that in this area. And there's, oh, we're going to have to cut all that. We don't, if you want to cut that, you can. But I don't think we need to. This is, this is the real episode, right? This is, this is the after school special episode. <laughs> I, if this was, I would be offering you a joint right now. Right? Like, and I, and I'd hold it in this really Shakespearean way. I'd be like, hey, you want this? This is this will make you feel better. And then the camera will get really close to it. You know? <laughs> Don't do drugs. Stay in school. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's just hard. Yeah. And I would love for it not to be a question. I mean, they were like, well, do we really even have to talk about it? And I mean, we kind of have to talk about it. I guess you could not. You could just decide to stay with the United Methodist Church and and ignore everything that's happening at the at the higher levels of polity and just do what you've been doing. That is that is a potential thing. But the people who care about this the most are the homophobic people and the ones who are going to leave. And if you don't even try, <laughs> like if you don't even try to get them to change their minds. Uh, but like they, they also don't want to get anybody to try to change their minds. So, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard. <laughs> it's it's, it's really so hard. easy to talk about this in a really callous way and be like, "Those are just dumb, ignorant country people." But no, like they're really good and kind people who have been doing great work and who feed again thousands of people each year with their food pantry, and have just been like doing their absolute best and 
this is just, they aren't ready for this and they're all having to learn this and it's being forced on them. And it's, it's hard. And there's no, it's really hard to be in this church and have it either not her harm me or not harm them. You know, like somebody's going to get hurt in this regardless. Yeah. 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 So like, again, feels like I should leave, <laughs> but also like, this is when it's the worst and I can handle a couple of these worst moments. Cause my, my, uh, basic level is better. Like my normal is much better than what my normal was a couple months ago. That's good. So I can handle this. I can bounce back from this, but <laughs> only for another year. And then I'm going to apply for a PhD program <laughs> so, oh! <laughs> for a miracle. <laughs> You got it. You're totally going to get into anywhere you apply. No. I mean, if these fools uh, accidentally let me in, <laughs> then you're, you're fine. You no. have a great research idea. Well, thank you. But, and you write but, well, and that's what they need. I guess. But I appreciate that. Thank you. But, um, you know, this is another reason, Joe, why I advocate really seeing what we do as a job, firstly. Yeah. Rather than rather than a, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a special calling, like. Well, I remember I remember having my first teacher, my first professor in college that didn't like me. Uh huh. Like I remember that day, like it was the, my first experience at having a teacher that I knew just didn't like me. Because she told me, <laughs> like yes. she, because it's college, you know, they can do whatever they want. You know, and, and, and she told me, she, she made it very clear. And, and I remember calling my dad and, and kind of processing it with him. And my dad was kind of like, he wasn't mean about it. He, he was just like, you know, these people don't have to like you. That's true. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, of course, like, they don't have to like you. You know, that's not their job. It's not their job to like you. And it's not, and it's not your job to be liked. You know, it's just, just be a student and she'll be your professor. And, and that'll be that. She, she doesn't have to be happy when you walk in the room, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. any more than, any more than you have to be happy when you see her, you know? And then like, and I think that's true of uh, this too. Like, yeah, like part of what we are, are, part of this job includes a, a deep social component, right? Like it would be, it, there, there's a reason why pastors who are um, able to connect well with people do very well. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's, and, and you can do that and you do that, but like um, it is not our job to be liked. That's not in the book of discipline. Right. You know, any more than it, you know, it's not our job to please. That's not in the book of discipline. It's our job to serve the church, you know, to, to word, we're called to word and table. And, and, and then we have the, the kind of nonprofit wing of the job where we're also called to connect with people and oversee, and oversee committees and, and have vision and, and things like that, you know. It's not, I guess what I'm saying is it's not your or my job to uh, transform anybody, first of all. Uh, And it is definitely not our job to make people like us. You know, if, if, 
I don't know if you need to hear this, but like, but I believe this. If somebody likes everything about you except for um, something that makes up a big part of who you are, they just don't like you. <laughs> they might think they do. Yeah. You know, like um, I have some folks, longtime folks of the church who have left and and really did their best to to pretend like they haven't left, but but have definitely left. And these are people who, um, if I were just some new young guy in town, would have a beer with me and would laugh with me. But they just don't like anything that comes out of my mouth when I preach. Yeah. That just means they don't like me. Um, well, I think that's a helpful thought. Um, I think that uh, people don't have to like everything about you because nobody likes everything about you. No, no, of course. Yeah, but, but if there is a like fundamental part of you that they have to interact with, that they don't like then like no you yeah they can't in all honesty be like well you know i like you because there's there's an i like you but with that you know right right yeah and gosh yeah and it's so there's no way to know who is gonna react what way to what and so the only thing you can do is like be who you are and do what you do and part of what has been driving me nuts is not being who I am as I've been doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But, but, and that's really what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. like this is a, the thing that people don't like that some folks are not liking Joe is a thing that is in, integral to who you are. Yeah. You know? And so like, well, no, you know, I, I would say that they just don't like you. That, that what they like is uh, the construction that you've put together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That might, be, that might have a ton of things in common with you, <laughs> you yeah. know, but, but it's, not, it's not like you hmm. in, in, a, in, in a, a full sense, you know, perhaps. Um, I can speak. Say it another way. There, if, if there was somebody who would say, "Boy, I really like you," but you know what? Beth is somebody I don't like. Hmm. I would be like, "Who? You just don't like me, then?" <laughs> you know, because hmm. that's my partner. Like that's my wife. You, you actually like, like that's sort of what it means when when we talk about being one flesh. You know, right? We yeah. go together. Like, no, no, you. you you can have different relationships with me, you know, or with my wife, like, that's fine. You know, you might have a closer relationship with, with her rather than me or vice versa. But, but like, there can't be that, you know, there can't be a boy, if only she just go away, like, like, Oh, okay. Well, see ya. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When you put it like that and maybe like, instead of like, we should use the word ex, accept embrace i don't know it's um if you yeah if you can't 
you can dislike something about me and that's fine, but you need to be able to embrace all of me. And if you can't embrace all of me while still disliking part of me, then you don't like me like that. Then, then, then we're in a different place. Like if there's, yeah, you can't embrace somebody and then be like, oop, touched your shoulder. I don't want this anymore. Like that's, that's not how it works. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's so hard. It is. Like, I have given a lot to these people. Uh, and they, and it's like what I have said before is that like, if there's any appointment that I could stay in, it would be an appointment like this one where I have a really supportive SPRC. I have a church that has a lot of possibilities to grow. I have a great clergy support network. I have a great DS. I'm doing a lot of good stuff in the district. I like my conference. My conference has it shit together. Like this would be the place to stay. Uh, but it just, it is feeling more and more like there is no place that I could reasonably be appointed where I could stay and be healthy in the United Methodist Church. Like I can, I can stay here and like, I'll be able to grow in certain ways and we'll have to decide whether it's worth it to have important and difficult conversations or not. <laughs> but that's the other thing that gets me is they're just like, I mean, we could just not talk about it. And I'm like, theoretically, yes, but why would you not want to talk about it? because it's scary then pray to god for strength ahead of time like we can get through this we've just forgotten how to disagree with one another yeah but who knows they're they haven't finished appointments yet they might not pick me anyway hey if they don't um the the industry that is not suffering is the cam model industry. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. Oh. You can. I don't have any other thing after that. That's, that's just <laughs> my joke. That's the end of my joke. Um, but well, you know, Joe. Uh, who knows when this episode will air? This this episode might air after everything falls apart. Uh, fuck them. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I will say this. The United Methodist Church, this local congregation, the whole thing, if, if, if they as a body cannot uh, see what is in front of them and see you for uh, either who you are as a person or at the very least what you are as a utility, yeah as as uh as somebody who can who who has direct positive results on their community and and in their denomination if they just can't see it fuck them then then you should want yeah. to leave uh, i think know. the the biblical version of that is shake the dust off your robes and go to the exactly next <laughs> yeah exactly you know which is which is to say fuck them you know like 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 forget that you know that's uh part of part of the reason why you know me pretty well at this point part of the reason why i say things like that is the way i approach our relate you know pastor's relationship to the denomination and there might be folks who who will listen to this episode and and ask us what about forgiveness what about gentleness and peace and joy and love and and all of that and 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 yes you know i once again i'm not saying anything noble 
Right. I'm not suggest. I'm not appealing to any higher nature here. I'm really not. I, I, I just know that, you know, nobody would be asking this if we worked in a factory. Right. Right. Nobody would be, nobody would be like, well, what about patients? Like, like we would all look at whatever union scab just said that, you know, <laughs> and, and we'd be like, kill him, you know, throw him out. Like, no, we, this would, this would be crazy, you know? And so, but I mean that, like, find something else. When my, my district superintendent told me on the phone that this sounds great for you, but really bad for the church, I felt awful for a little bit. And, and then when I told that story to my dad, after he, in the middle of him weeping about me getting <laughs> into the program, he was furious you know, my dad's a business guy. Mm-hmm. He was furious. He was like, well, your boss is a small minded idiot who cannot see the big picture. Right. And, and cannot see that, that um, you doing this work right now, if she would only treat you well, means that it would benefit the whole denomination. Absolutely. I had that thought too, when you were saying that. And, and, and it's the same thing with you, Joe. If, if not only your bosses, but, but your, but the people who you are the pastor of, if they can't see how this uh, accepting and struggling and working and moving, you know, to, to incorporate this part of you into their lives, if they can't see how this won't um, impact them in a, in a positive way in the long run, uh, then then they're small minded and, and they really, in, in the realest sense, like, and, and maybe we, you just need to be done. Maybe it's good to be done. Yeah. 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 I'm not saying do it now. I'm not trying to make your decision for you. Oh but, no, no. yeah. But, I, I can't, but, yeah. <laughs> I can't pull out after I just asked to be let back in. <laughs> That's not how it works. I understand. But yeah, I, this is something that I, I don't know that always gets communicated to clergy, but like, we are part of the body of Christ too. And what is good for us is good for the body of Christ. Not in a like a, a egomaniac, self-centered, narcissistic kind of way of, of like, well, we need to make sure that we are being happy first and we shouldn't be asked to sacrifice anything. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that like, if, if you are not healthy and well, you are not, the whole body of Christ is not healthy and well. Right. That goes for any, but that goes for all members. Exactly. Exactly. But we're members too. And so it's not, it is not that we need to sacrifice our wellness for the rest of the body. Like we are part of the body too. And it's not, it's not just physical wellness and it's not just like mental wellness. I mean, like it's wholeness and in a place that you can't, if you're in a place that you can't be whole, like you're not, you're not going to thrive. (laughs) Right. Agreed. Agreed. Well, do we have any any parting words of wisdom for, <laughs> for future generations? <laughs> um, for future generations. Well, if anybody is listening to our podcast, um, this, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible, although I hope it's not, that this could be our final episode. Whew. I guess so. You know, when this debuts. Um, if it is, 
if you've listened to this podcast all the way through or just picked it up, um, I hope you know that being a pastor is uh, one of the weirdest jobs <laughs> you can ever have. Um, because to be a, because ideally pastors would be like perfect. You know, ideally pastors would be people who are uh, enlightened, you know, who've, who really do have it figured out because that's the only way to keep them from being hurt. Right. You know, or burned out or, or things like that. But I guess my, my word of wisdom is like, you know, if I have any wisdom, it's, you know, if you've been listening and you have a pastor in your life or you are a pastor, um, maybe one of the best gifts you can give yourself or your own pastor is the gift of treating them the way you would treat um, uh, working people. And I mean that in that way, like recognize that these are, that we are people who uh, are just like you, that we are hurt and frail and tired and, and that uh, doing our job requires the same kind of emotional and in some cases, physical labor that lots of jobs do and require. And um, your support, because we're all in this together, we're all interdependent on one another, is required. Like, if you treat us as heroes, we will fail. Because we are not heroes. And, and the worst thing that could happen to us is that we start believing we are, mm -hmm. and then we really fail. Mm -hmm. and so, And maybe my last thought is, um, you know, if, if any, if any of my, uh, congregants ever listen to any of these, I, I love you all. I do. I do. You, you absolutely have hurt me. You have. Um, and I'm sure I have hurt you, but, uh, but I love you very much. And, whoever comes to take my place in three months uh, needs your love and um, also needs you to treat them like a human being. All right. That's my speech. Joe, final thought. Yeah. Uh, pastors are humans too. Don't treat us like we're anything other than that. Like, but just the way that you should treat every human, like they have great potential and great ability and also the ability to really fuck things up, <laughs> like yeah. and everything in between. Right. We are, we are no more and no less than human. And it's just that we are in a job where you see us differently. And I am, I am pleased if you see Christ in me, that is, that's the goal. But also it's, you know, I'm not, I, I can't be anything more than what I am. So have, ha, treat your pastors as people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this will be the last episode, but, uh, but if it is, you know, we'll start a new one. 
it'll be uh it'll be we'll call it two broke girls <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be famous <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep we'll call it'll be called fallout five <laughs> <laughs> since the world has come to an end it'll be called trump 2028 <laughs> as we as we uh it'll be a podcast dedicated to our um following the rise of the trump dicta- dictatorship as he runs as he runs unopposed for a third consecutive term in 2028 oh god and well, and we'll look around we'll be like is anybody going to hold him accountable and and everybody will be like hold who accountable to what I'll be like, mm, that's right. Oh, God. Will you sign us off before it gets worse? Yes, I will. My friends, uh, this has been an episode, maybe the final episode, of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>